This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Welcome back to another episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast brought to you by Matty Ice Media. As always, I am your host, Matty Ice, and I hope everybody's having a great start to their week. And I hope you had a great weekend. Uh, we had a great weekend here down in Virginia. It actually got into the 90s. It was nice to feel a little bit of that heat. Talked about looking forward to some better weather, some summer weather. Our landscaping project is over with. Our yard is ready to go. Uh, we are ready to entertain. We are ready to start bringing people back into our lives and kind of enjoy a little bit of this summer weather. Last summer was such a blur. We were new parents, still trying to figure some stuff out. The pandemic was raging. We couldn't see anybody. It was definitely a tough time. So last Monday, I started off with an appreciation post. And I just want to say, first of all, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, all of your patronage has been uh, wonderful. It has definitely gone uh, not unnoticed. And I just want to give a good shout out to um, all the international folks who chimed in this week, who tuned in. I had some new listeners from um, Slovenia, which was just amazing. It's amazing to see how this voice, this show, can find itself in in many different countries across the world and it just lets me know that my voice is uh, not something that needs to be squashed but is uh, is a voice that can be heard and is a voice that can connect with people no matter where they're from i like to think that i can connect with people from all walks of life i like to think that um you know i can see different perspectives and i hope that through this show you're able to feel some kind of a connection and so i was thinking about what i wanted to talk about on this monday and I got to thinking about the idea of things that I like. And then I think all of us can get behind the idea of having guilty pleasures. And I wanted to do another top five list. And I know that uh, lately I've been kind of heavy on that content, but I have to admit, I love making a top five list. There's something about sort of thinking about some category, trying to make a list of uh, in order of what you you know are thinking about. And the other reason why I like it is because it sort of creates this like faux controversy. And I'm so into that. Maybe that is a guilty pleasure, but I don't know. There's something about it. In today's day and age, when everybody is looking to argue and everybody is looking to have a differing opinion than somebody else, doing something as silly as making a top five list of, say, best muffins, and then having people just chime in with these hot takes about how wrong you are is awesome. Because in the grand scheme of things, those things just don't matter. And they have no importance whatsoever outside of just somebody's subjective opinion. And so I like doing top five lists. I like creating that discussion because quite honestly, it leads to something organic, especially around people that you know. But I think almost everybody can get behind or agree with the concept of a guilty pleasure. I think most people can identify at least one or two things in their life that somebody else would look at and consider a guilty pleasure. So before I give my top five list, I kind of want to put some parameters and possibly a caveat on this. When I think of a guilty pleasure, for me, the first or the biggest set of criteria is the fact that it is either universally panned or universally seen as bad for you. Um, and I, I, I think that is what causes guilty because I think of food items, I think of television shows, certain things that people would look at and say, that's so stupid. That's so bad for you. How could you like that? And to me, I feel like that is what causes something to be a guilty pleasure. Obviously, behind that is something that you like, right? So for it to be a pleasure, it has to be something that you find pleasurable, that you find enjoyable or something like that. Um, and that's why I consider that. Now, I think one other thing to note is I don't consider a guilty pleasure to be something taboo, uh, you know, something that 
happens in the confines of the bedroom or something like that. There's a lot of those that people might have in all power to you. It's just not going to be included on this list because it's just not something that I consider appropriate for this kind of a venue. This is not that kind of a show. So when I look at it, I think of it in terms of myself too. Um, it may not be universally panned by the masses, but I think within the confines of the people around me, the circle that I keep, it is seen as silly in that regard. So on that note, I want to start with number five and number five is sneakers. And you might actually be thinking to yourself, well, Matt, that sounds really silly. You've done episodes about community around sneakers. You've done episodes about the fact that there is a culture around it. So how could you consider this a guilty pleasure of yours? Well, that may be true. But in the circles that I keep, uh, the place that I live geographically, it is not something that is widely accepted. Um, as a matter of fact, I've had people in my immediate circle and my family tell me that it makes me seem childish, that I need to start acting my age or dressing my age. And to me, that's a completely subjective opinion. Uh, people of a certain age, people that have, you know, who grew up in a certain time, uh, they see adulthood as something a little bit different than I think what we are kind of coming into. In my mind, adulthood is taking care of your responsibilities, being responsible for living a, you know, a, a, a responsible life, which is redundant, but paying your bills, you know, feeding your family, keeping a roof over your head, not getting into trouble with the law, things of this nature, um, essentially settling down in a way that doesn't uh, make you boring per se, but you're just more responsible. You're taking care of what you need to as an adult. And those are the things that I think are important to me what somebody looks like, how somebody acts in certain regards, uh, what they like, doesn't dictate how old they are. Age is just a number. If you feel at age 40 that you are now old, then that's your, your feeling. I don't feel that any number makes you old. I think that it just gives you a context of how long you have been on this earth. And how you choose to live that life is up to you. And how you choose to live it and whether you feel it is appropriate for yourself is only for you to decide. So. I say sneakers because of that. Uh, people would, might look at my footwear and think that I'm trying to be younger than I actually am. It's not true. I'm wearing what I like. I'm embracing the person that I've always been, and sneakers are the embodiment of that. They are something that is a talking piece for me because overall, I'm not a person that pops in terms of personality. My fashion sense is not off the wall. I call myself Kirkland chic because most of my clothes seem to come from Costco. You know what? I'm good with that. I'm good with who I am, and I'm good with the fact that sneakers are the accent of my life. They're sort of like the embodiment of my personality in a pair of shoes, and that's why I put them on here. Um, they're not something that I feel guilty about wearing necessarily, but the people around me feel as if they are something that should, I, you know, I should be wearing like docksiders or something like that, tucking in my polo shirts to my shorts, uh, giving that, giving off that dad look. And yes, I'm a dad, but I'm also a human being. So that's number five. Number four is interesting. Number four um, I'm having is heavy or aggressive music. So since I've been a teenager, I have been somebody who has gone against the grain when it comes to pop culture. I've never really embraced pop culture in the way that a lot of people have. Uh, pop music, dance music, boy bands, things of this nature was never really my thing. Growing up, um, I had a lot of angst. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. Uh, I didn't really enjoy high school. I felt very much like an outcast, and so aggressive music really spoke to me. Even though what I went through was nowhere near what a lot of teens go through, but in the con in my bubble, uh, it felt you know significant. And heavy music always spoke to me. It still speaks to me now. Um, I still enjoy aggressive music. And does that mean that I'm aggressive in nature? No. But a lot of people 
they hear it and they think, how could you like that? You're such a nice person. You seem so calm most of the time. Um, and they, they judge because they're like, are you, you're a little too old to be listening to that. And it's like, well, no, I'm, I'm listening to what I want. You listen to what you want. I've always been against the grain in that regard. When it comes to music, um, if there is a band that I like, and we'll take Metallica, for instance, because I think that is a perfect example. Um, many in the fandom of a band like that are sort of in two camps. They, they like the early stuff. They don't like the stuff that came after, say, 1991. And what's funny about that is whenever there's some sort of a split in the fandom in terms of, you know, most fans liking an album or not liking an album, what generally happens for me is I tend to like songs and a lot of them off the album that most people consider to be bad or what most people consider to be sort of the turning point in, well, they were good up until now. And I think the reason why that is, is because those departures from what they've always done is uh, significant of growth. It's significant of evolution. These bands that have been around for a really long time, Metallica has been around for almost 40 years now. Um, it's not realistic to think that they're going to make the same kind of music that they did in their 20s. Your life changes, your feelings, your perspective changes, and that's, to me, indicative of all humans. And so their music reflects that, in my opinion. So I've always liked that. But heavy, aggressive music has always done something for me. It sort of keeps me level when I'm feeling angst, when I'm feeling angry. Um, that kind of music just sort of calms it down because I'm able to unleash something in, in terms of like guitar sounds, vocal sounds. And then I can go back to the rest of my life and feel good about myself. And I, I've always loved it. So I consider that a guilty pleasure, mainly because most people don't listen to it. It's not a popular genre of music. And I understand that. It's polarizing, but I think it's just as polarizing as, say, hardcore rap or any type of really you know, niche music that people don't listen to on the regular. Like you don't hear a lot of heavy music on the radio. You also hear more commercials than you do music on the radio. And that's another topic for another day. But um, there's just something about it that has always spoken to me. It's always made me feel comforted and warm. And it's just what I like. So I think that's number five. So number three is the only food item on, list on this list. I do think overall, when people think of guilty pleasures, they generally tend to think of food items first. And I think the reason behind that is because food is something universal. Everybody has to eat, right? Not everybody has to listen to music. Not everybody has to wear fashion pieces, but everybody has to eat. So everybody, no matter where you are, has some semblance of an opinion on food. What you generally tend to find in today's world ever since like the 90s when big time diets were coming in is that most people nutritionists trainers and so forth have an opinion on what you shouldn't be doing and i have always maintained that there's a lot of things you shouldn't be doing but the idea of moderation is very very important eating foods that you know are quote unquote bad for you or quote unquote unhealthy isn't going to kill you in a one-time sample it is going to kill you if you continue to do it every day the same way all the time. But that's not what we're talking about here. However, even within that like subgroup of foods that are considered bad for you, there's almost like a hierarchy of say like, you know, foods that people consider really bad for you. I think fast food is probably on that list. Now the concept of fast food is fascinating because it has evolved over the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years. And now it's a matter of convenience. But the options that are out there are so ridiculous. Um, you know, you basically can have any type of food made quickly and delivered to you now, and you don't really have to do a lot of the work. And I'm sure in some fashion, and Cleveland could talk about this on the manual perhaps, 
that it has added to the obesity problem, the health problems in this country. While overall, we are in a better place in terms of nutrition, in terms of science when it comes to physical fitness, exercise, and things of this nature, uh, our food choices definitely limit us in where we can go because I think a lot of people dive into the convenience of it. However, for me, a total guilty pleasure in that regard is Taco Bell. And maybe many of you just threw up in your mouth a little bit, but I don't know what it is. Ever since I was a kid, I've loved it. I still love it as an adult. I don't have it very often, but when I do have it, I go all in. There's just something about how cheap it is. There's something about how, it's almost like I know that it's bad for me. And so therefore I go into it. See, I, I am a big dessert person too. I'm, I love ice cream, but I don't consider ice cream a guilty pleasure because you can have that in moderation and it just doesn't feel the same way. But when I have Taco Bell, I feel as if I'm actively making a decision to choose chaos, to choose violence, because it just reeks with me and not like in a bowel way or whatever. It's just, I know that there's so many chemicals in it. It's so processed, but it's just so damn good. I can't really explain it. And I just have to have it almost like once a quarter. I just have to. And you can judge me all you want, but I just friggin' love it. And I'm sure every single person, even Cleveland, even the fittest of, pay of, of trainers out there, they have something like this that they just can't really explain why it's so good. And they just can't really explain why it gives them pleasure, like why it just tastes so good to them. And they probably have it. Or if they're on like a cheat day, they have something like that. Could I be making better decisions with like a cheat day? Could I be making better decisions with my guilty pleasures in food? Yeah, I could. But you know what? Screw it. I love Taco Bell and I'm going to continue eating it. That Crunchwrap Supreme is legit. And you know what? You can eat it with one hand. So that gives me time to do some other stuff. So there you go. So number two. Number two is a really, really fascinating one. And it's something that I actually discovered recently, like in the last five or six years from my friend Joe. So I'm somebody who does like to read, but I generally have so many interests or things going on in my life that reading somehow doesn't find a place except maybe like right before I go to bed. Obviously now with a young kid at home, uh, taking time to read is a few and far between. It has to be when he's napping because you can't just say to your one-year-old, hey, I'm gonna read, so kind of do your own thing. They don't really understand that concept, um, but I love to read. However, I discovered graphic novels, which is number two on my list. And again, this sort of falls into the category, which a lot of, you know, maybe some of these do and that maybe I'm too old to be doing something like this or reading graphic novels. But I think what ends up happening is the perception of what a graphic novel is. And most people think of them as comic books, which they are. Graphic novels is almost like the hipster way of describing it. It's like saying a stripper is an exotic dancer. Like they're the same thing, I get that. But I think when people think of comic books, they think of your traditional superhero comic books. But one thing that I have helped other people discover is that there are pieces of literature in the graphic novel realm that have nothing to do with superheroes and actually delve into some really, uh, you know, legitimate life, uh, you know, topics. Uh, one of my favorite ones is called Why the Last Man. And the concept behind that is what if a uh, virus or some type of a bacteria or sickness basically killed every male on the planet? You know, what would happen? And in this particular graphic novel, there's one man standing. And it's an interesting look at what would happen to society because obviously if women were left to rule the earth, uh, many would feel that, hey, maybe things would get a lot better. But one of the things the graphic novel showed you is that inside, male or female, humans are going to human essentially. 
And so when there are no rules, no boundaries, no borders, and no governing bodies of any type, humans are going to find like-minded people and stick with that. They're going to click off, as it were. And it was interesting to watch this. It was interesting to watch this small group of people try to protect this man because obviously the human race is done uh, without at least one male and one female to help procreate and you know replenish the species, so to speak. And so it was interesting when they would run into different groups. It was interesting when the government, the U.S. government was found that like 80% or 90% of the U.S. government was gone because it was mostly male, which is a commentary on where we are today. Like, why is there not more inclusion there? Why are women not more included in the government and so forth? And so it really talked about some interesting topics within the confines of this graphic novel. And there's others too. Uh, v for Vendetta is another one around um, the, you know, the November 5th um, treason attempt. In, in England, but the idea of the government ruling you, what do you, what do you know? Censorship, you know, are we being told the, you know, the right story, the same details? Do we know everything that's going on behind the scenes? I mean, those are some real topics that people think about, right? They're real topics that could be happening now. Like, do we know every single thing that the U.S. government does? I would say no. I think there's a lot that happens behind the scenes, and so these graphic novels not only make me think. But they give you some type of a visual depiction, which is a little bit of a departure from reading like a traditional novel. One of the uh, appealing aspects of reading a novel is being able to formulate a picture in your mind. Uh, and that's one of the great things. Like once you make a movie or give yourself some type of a visual representation, it's very hard to deviate from that. But I think in the graphic novel realm, what they're able to do is create art behind it. They're able to draw what you know is their depiction of it. And so you're not beholden to say one actor or actress the way that you would in say like Harry Potter, where when I've read the first few books, um, I kind of had an idea of what these characters look like. And then once the movies came out, it was gone because now I'm going to see the actors and actresses that are playing these roles and so forth. So graphic novels are very fun for me. And while I haven't read one in a while, they're definitely uh, something that I will continue to do, you know, as I get older, because I think the subject matter is still intriguing. So this last one is uh, is definitely my number one guilty pleasure. It's been something that I've done for 30 years now, and I consume it a little bit differently, but it's a professional wrestling. So professional wrestling is easily the soap opera for men, I think, to be honest with you. Um, and I got into it when I was a kid. I got into it when I was eight years old, uh, 30 years ago, when Hulk Hogan was big. And obviously at that time as a kid, I was into the characters. I was into the superhero nature of these characters. And I watched wrestling thinking that it was real. And then as I got older and I realized that it, you know, that it wasn't, um, I started to watch it a little bit differently. I started to really appreciate the craft behind it, the storytelling ability behind it. And now, even at almost 40 years old, I like to watch it, but I definitely judge it a little harsher because as an adult, I'm looking for the same type of thing that I'm looking for in a TV show, character development and storytelling. And then I also absolutely appreciate the athletic achievements in it because while the violence is scripted, the outcomes are predetermined. Um, the, the violence, the consequences of the violence, the scripted violence is not uh, fake. People get hurt. People can have career ending injuries, life altering injuries, and it has definitely happened. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, one of the biggest wrestlers of all time, the most famous, uh, broke his neck in a match and had to continue the match. It altered his life forever, right? His knees were screwed up. 
And so these people go through a lot of real consequences and a lot of uh, people who maybe not are not in the know like to say that they deserve it. Like, look at these wrestlers that died. They're so stupid. These are human beings, folks. And whether they take steroids or not, I mean, it's part of their livelihood that we're talking about here. If you're not on television and wrestling, you're not making money. If the fans are not seeing you, if the fans are not into you, you're not making money. So their livelihood is directly tied to being exposed, to being on television. And many, many times they have to make tough decisions. Being off television is not something that they would prefer. Injuries are, you know, not really what they want, obviously, because it's not like in a professional sport where you're injured, you get rehabbed, you come back, and most likely you take over your starting spot. In wrestling, if you're off TV and the fans forget about you, when you come back, it's really difficult to regain traction. So I watch it now from a creative standpoint, and I think it's a great evolution for me because I don't watch it the same way. And I look at it as a guilty pleasure because obviously it's trashy reality television with men in underwear, essentially. But I've always liked it. And my love for it, my, my like of it has evolved over time. I've grown up as a human and I've grown up in terms of what I like from wrestling. I know what I want to see. Um, I like sometimes getting lost in it. That's uh, an appealing aspect of it. It's why I play video games too. As an adult, we have so much that we go through and think about on a daily basis. And it's nice every once in a while to get lost in something, to feel like you are transported back to some time frame. It's why people like to go to Disney, right? It makes you feel like a kid, no matter how old you are. Whether you're there by yourself as an adult watching other kids or remembering your childhood going there, or whether you have kids and you're living vicariously through them. There's something about being transported back to a time in your life where you felt different and innocent and just sort of getting lost in something. Reading is the same way. It takes our troubles off our mind. And so I like wrestling for that aspect because when it's done well, uh, you get lost in it and it's a nice, enjoyable experience. And I can appreciate all the aspects of it from putting the matches together, the athletic achievements within it, um, everything about it. It really is like an extension of watching TV or movie. I love breaking down storytelling, character development, decisions that are made in the creative process and so forth. And so that fits right in um, with, with my style. So those are my top five guilty pleasures. What are your guilty pleasures? Are they something similar? Are they mostly food items? Are they something that you have a hard time letting go of? Do you not ex exercise moderation with them and so forth? And I think it's okay. I think it's okay to admit that. But think about your top five. Definitely let me know. Connect with the show. Message me some of the uh, you know, guilty pleasures that you enjoy. Uh, Soulfully Casual Podcast on Instagram is the best way to get in touch with the show. Obviously, if you do email, soulfully.casual at gmail.com is another way. I know most people are off of email these days in terms of mainstream communication. But those are the two best ways to get into the show. If you want to check out more content besides this show, check out Matty Ice Media 21 on Instagram and also our website, mattyicemedia.com. You can find other podcasts like The Manual, Cowboy Season, Political Football, and we hope to add more in the future. So I uh, hope everybody is well. I hope everybody is safe. I appreciate you tuning in and I'll talk to you on Wednesday.